0: Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of felt like you were going to go into a Good Morning Vietnam. I know. There. Good I like,
1: morning like, Vietnam. That, you
0: got to really, you got to really be able to pull that off, though. You know, we're you got to. 20, go
1: 25 episodes in, <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out how to start, how to start thing. the
0: thing. Yeah. garrick it's good to see you, buddy. How you doing? It's it's, it's good to see you as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, always, always always a pleasure.
1: It is. You know, we have snow on the ground and uh here in the 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 northern confines of sweden i bet it's, it's got come a ton
0: of snow you had a ton of snow oh in the, in the mountains. mountains yeah well you guys right got out, so, yeah 30 minutes away it's it they got like 60 centimeters oh my gosh oh, it's that's gonna great be good skiing are you going Whenever, skiing they let it if they let us go skiing right now they will not let us go skiing um, can't leave, i hope but, i hope
1: it opens up for your sake
0: yeah me too. hey
1: well we shouldn't waste any time we have a uh yeah. you we you know i feel like we've been hitting home runs uh yeah. Lately, with our guests, um, I our guest today is no exception to that rule. Although now I've put pressure on him, and I hope he doesn't resent me for that. Uh, Randy David Newman, not to be uh, uh, confused with Randy Newman the songwriter, um, he yeah. has promised he will not sing for us, and I'm happy for that. Um, Randy is a has a PhD in inter- intercultural studies from Trinity Theological Seminary. Uh, he is a teaching fellow at C- the C.S. Lewis Institute, as well as an adjunct professor at various seminaries the world over or continental United States. I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, great guy. I got to know him uh, during my time uh, at some conferences in the US. Uh, we, uh, his books, uh, he's written many books on evangelism, uh, or I guess three books. Is that right, uh, Randy? Five. Five books. Okay. Well then there's two out there that I haven't read. So we'll need to discuss that uh, today. Um, But one of the big ones that has always uh, just really had an impact on me and we actually use it as training for our staff here in Sweden is uh, one of the first books I give people when they walk off the plane. I embrace them. I say, welcome to Sweden. And I shove this book in their face and I say, read it or just get back on the plane. No, um, (laughs) is Questioning Evangelism, which is a fantastic Mm -hmm. book. Um, so anyway so we're excited to have you Andy welcome to the Rabbit Trails podcast and uh the many folk out there listening it's good to have oh, you. Great
2: to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: You bet. Um so it's it's been a while since uh since we've seen each other uh and apparently you've written three more books that I didn't know about or two more <laughs> books that I didn't know about. So well well done you. Um your your latest book actually that we were talking about in the in the pregame here a little bit. Um is uh or not latest book but the book uh unlikely converts uh came out of your research that you did for your phd if i'm not correct or if i'm not right. mistaken is that correct That's okay
2: right. yes um well i interviewed over 40 people who were recent uh converts uh to hear their stories um cuz i wanted to research evangelism from their side of the equation uh, we we do a lot of research from the other side from the from the evangelist's perspective or the, the sender of the message. But I wanted to hear from the recipients and uh, all my interviews were 45 minutes to an hour long. And uh, the stories were just so moving and beautiful and powerful. And I felt like this, this shouldn't stay buried in a dissertation where nobody will read it. Um, where nobody should read it, um, uh, but, I, but I, I wrote up the stories and I tried to say here are some lessons that we can learn about evangelism. That they're they're not they're not like you know major uh, breakthrough, but uh, they emphasize some things that I think a lot of thinking about evangelism doesn't usually go after.
1: Can you can you give us some some of those so? I think sure. the majority of our our, our audience uh, finds themselves in a post-Christian secular culture or context uh, in which most people would, when you say the word Jesus, would say, don't know, don't care. So yeah. a- as you talked with people who are unlikely converts, what are some of the, I think, big takeaways or surprising things that you found from mm-hmm.
2: them? Yeah. And I will say that um, I think the vast majority of the people i talked to would have similar backgrounds of, hmm. you know, uh, secular, apathetic at best, maybe even hostile. So, um, and again, uh, so uh, my major findings were: uh, people tend to come to faith gradually, rather than all at once, incrementally. Um, people tend to come to faith uh, communally, meaning they they hear the message from a whole bunch of different spokespersons. Um, it wasn't just just one, one-on-one conversation. Now, usually a one-on-one conversation was sort of the centerpiece, but they also heard it and they saw it lived out in a whole wide variety of people's lives. So that was significant. And then the the one that I found most intriguing, um, people tend to come to faith variously. And what, what I mean is they latch onto the gospel at a whole wide range, a whole bunch of different starting points. Uh, there are a few people who I, who would say, I, I feel guilty. I wish there was some way I could be forgiven. There are some people who feel that way, but I think it's a minority. Um, so, there, so it's just a whole wide range of people who would say something like, I don't feel very good about myself. I, it, it's kind of like a shame, but I can't put words to it. And I, I wish I could be different that's different than being forgiven or mm-hmm. people who say life just doesn't make any sense. I wish somebody could explain kind of reality in a way that I could see how things fit together or um, people feel alienated um, from other people and from God. They can't necessarily articulate it, but, and there's just a whole wide range of those kind of things. And the beautiful thing that I, I really explored was that, Uh, The gospel message is this multifaceted message, and there, there are a whole lot of words used in the New Testament for it. It's not just propitiation, but it's also redemption and reconciliation and adoption and all these other words. And so people latched on or began their journey, so to speak, in this whole wide range of places. Now, they had to get to the core of atonement for sins, I am guilty before a holy, righteous God. I need to be forgiven. So, so I'm not saying that's optional. That's really the core, but that's not always the starting place for people. And uh, again, I, I just, I just thought it was beautiful to hear these stories. Mm-hmm.
1: So, why, um, why do you think, why do you think it is then that we go into, we're so quick to go to the to the to the nucleus, as you say, of the of of that of the um, of the propitiation for the sins, rather than the rather than some of those tertiary it's funny when you're describing this what was coming to my head was like the picture because it's all we see now is the picture of the coronavirus you have these little things that are sticking out of it it's a terrible thing to associate the gospel with yeah, but yeah. i have a sick i have a I, sick mind and, and,
2: and i have a whole new motivation to pray for you more further i appreciate um, that can we mute him can we can, <laughs> um <laughs> Well, why do we go after that? Well, uh, because, well, first of all, we we absolutely must. I mean, eventually we must talk about atonement for sin. We must talk about the cross as substitutionary atonement. So so that's why we go after it. Um, the other is, um, uh, I mean, in church history, that's the part of the gospel or the, the heart of the gospel that has often gotten uh, denied or removed, which leads to heresy. And so, um, in Europe and in in much of America, uh, early twentieth century, the rise of liberalism, they denied all of that. God is not a wrathful God. Uh, there, you don't need a blood sacrifice. And so, there is this fear of that we may compromise the gospel, or we may we may soft sell it. So that that's a very legitimate concern, um, but. Uh, again, we have the New Testament's full-orbed teaching about the gospel from many different starting points. Mm. And we have Jesus's and Paul's examples. Um, they, they didn't always start with um, forgiveness of sin. Now, they, they, they got to it for sure. Um, so, so one of my absolute favorites, uh, I think about Acts 14. Um, Paul and Barnabas heal a man, and people start worshiping them and calling them Zeus and Hermes, and, and uh, Paul says, you know, stop doing this, we're just mere people like you, um, and uh, you need to turn from your your idolatry, basically. But then he, he says, God has not left himself without a witness, and he's provided um, uh, rain and crops and season and food and joy in your hearts. Mm-hmm. That, that was his starting point of the gospel. You mm-hmm. guys have delicious food. Where do you think it comes from? I, I just yeah. find that so beautiful.
0: It's very um, European.
2: Yeah, well, um, and so we shouldn't be afraid to start with those kinds of starting points. Mm-hmm. But, but having you know the, the firm conviction that you know that's only the starting point. we have to get to the core of the message. Um, but I, I just think there's a whole lot of people who, when we say, well, you know, you can be forgiven of your sins, they, they, they're not thinking in that category and they don't feel it. It's like, well, I don't, I don't really have anything I need to be forgiven of. We know God's a holy, righteous God. Well, I, I don't really know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So, um, anyway, that was some of my favorite stuff of hearing it in the stories and then, uh, showing how in scripture it validates the fact that people come from a
0: variety of starting points. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Randy, when you when you start looking at those, this kind of entry points, uh, you talked about community, uh, you talked about different ways people get engaged. Um, what in the evangelical world that that many of us come from, what are we missing when we start thinking about evangelism or, or why are we missing certain things it seems like you pointed to some things that we're missing but why and then also if you could share one one story that really sticks out to you of, of someone's process maybe that mm. would uh could also help people think through exactly um what that looks like
2: well um well first of all i i um we really need a whole lot more patience uh, i if if people come to faith gradually incrementally if it takes time Um, We we need to pray for God to give us patience so that we can move at the rate that he's moving in their hearts. Um, Related to that is we we don't start far enough, far back enough. Um, And uh, this is what I learned from C.S. Lewis and it it prompted me to, I, I pitched this idea to a publisher about writing a book about what we can learn from C.S. Lewis about evangelism. And and I really thought, okay, this is just such a wild idea. He won't go for this. And especially since I had just pitched another idea to him and he was not interested at all. (laughs) I I had this idea of an evangelistic book. And the more I talked, the more I could see it on his face of like, oh, we're never publishing that book and and then he said well you got the other ideas i thought oh, that was my best idea so um i said well you know i'd love to i'd love to write about what we can learn from cs lewis about evangelism especially what he did in the narnia books but even more pointedly in mere christianity he just backed up so far to start with how, how do we how do we know right and wrong why is it that we know that we do know right and wrong when someone when someone steals our seat or our place in line, we go, hey, wait a minute, you're not allowed to do that. There's this innate sense of right and wrong. And then Mere Christianity, which which were a series of radio broadcasts one week apart, he, he went four or five weeks before he ever got anywhere near talking about the God of the Bible. And he even says so, I think it's in the, the fourth chapter or the fifth chapter of Mere uh, Christianity, where he says, uh, do not think I'm moving faster than I am. I'm, I'm still not a hundred miles near the God of the Bible. Mm. We just spent a long time of how, how do we know anything? What? Why do we believe anything? Is there is there something inside of us that might possibly be pointing to something bigger outside of us? And so I I think we need to start further back. We need to be more patient. Um, Uh, Oh, you asked for a story. That's right. Yes. I I, I knew there was another part to this. Oh, so I'm telling you, these stories were just so much fun. Um, uh, So here's one. There was this young woman who in in high school, uh, she got this idea that she really better join a whole lot of clubs because uh, she didn't have very good grades and she really wanted to get into a good college. And her guidance counselor told her, "You, you really ought to get a lot of Extracurricular activities. So she joined everything. She was a cheerleader on this team, this team. She's like so crazily busy. Uh, and it worked. She got into college. And then her first year in college, uh, she got into her first choice of college. And she gets in, and almost immediately she thinks, okay, now in four years, I'm going to be graduating. I need a really good resume. I better start joining things. And she joined this and joined this, and joined all these clubs. She She told me she joined the underwater hockey team. <laughs> like what does that look like where
1: where do you watch those games from?
2: I don't know. anyway she just had a million activities she was not religious she didn't go to church she she thinks she might have gone to church once when she was really little but you know not much and uh, so someone on her dorm floor invited her to a christian group and she thought well that would look good on the resume too That was really her motivation. So she goes, and she just thought it was weird. It was just really crazy. People were you know, closing their eyes and waiting, putting their hands in the air and singing. They sang forever. She was really annoyed. She just kept singing. And then this guy gets up and spoke for a long time, and I don't even know what he was talking about. I didn't pay attention. I mean, the whole thing was just weird. And then toward the end of the meeting, somebody somebody else got up and made an announcement. She said, I don't know. I don't even remember what it was about it was some kind of something or other but but she read a bible verse and she said uh this bible verse said that jesus said uh come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest and she heard the word rest and she went there's such a thing as rest i i could rest Mm. what what in the world is that Mm. and so so she went up and talked to that person Afterwards, and uh, she signed up because <laughs> she was really good at signing up for things. Um, she signed up to join a Bible study because because the person said to her, "Well, if you really want to find out about rest, probably go read the Bible, and Jesus can you know help you find rest." And that was her entryway into the gospel. Isn't that mm-hmm. beautiful? Isn't that yeah. wonderful? Uh... So, so for her, the the starting point is I'm exhausted. And somebody is telling me that they can provide rest, and I mean it was it was fascinating, and that and then the the rest of the conversation was, I mean it was really pretty deep. She was uh, she was struggling for rest in a much much deeper way, not just to free up her calendar. I mean it was mm-hmm. pretty dark or or deep, and um, the gospel set her free.
1: You know, I I I think. Actually, in this moment of of COVID, um, I'm I'm not sure that the church, I'm worried that maybe the church isn't aware of it, but um, I I really think that in this moment of COVID, what the church has to offer is uh, a a non-anxious presence, um, that there's so much anxiety around us and not just caused by COVID, but the busyness of life, the frenzy of renown, the, I gotta, I really, uh, to be honest, if you take that girl or or woman as an archetype in some sense of, of Western secular culture, join things, advance yourself, become your own project. It's exhausting. Yeah. And, and you get to that point where you kind of go, I just, I need to slow down. Uh, I worry, though, that the church is oftentimes caught up in that same endeavor. And therefore, being a non-anxious presence is something we have to learn ourselves. Um, and so can we offer that? Because Jesus ultimately is that non-anxious presence, right? He is the peace is not absence of conflict. It is, it is confidence in the midst of of the chaos. Or it is the absence of chaos, but, but yeah. he brings that. Um, and I, I find that to be so true here. Uh, that a lot of people actually both of those instances that you gave, um, the idea of rest or the idea of just the craziness that's going on around, and that Jesus just brings that. But the second part of that is that the amount of time, and we just don't tend to think of. I, I think one of the things that we, we we talk about is you you need to you need to put in in evangelism. You need to put your relationships, so you need to be bold in your relationships. Um, in that you need to start these relationships, but you're in it for the, long, for the long haul. And we just often don't think in those terms, but it's amazing because I would say the same thing that, that you're saying is, is different contacts that people have had. So things that never show up in any kind of measurement that we do or, or things like that, but it's things like we'll have a party and we know that of the 50 people who come to that party at some point during the night, someone in a corner who will be talking to someone that they've never talked to about something deep about jesus that will be ultimately life-changing but they may never actually talk to that person again and then their main contact to the person that they have and everything and so it's kind of this you know it gets referred to as body evangelism or whatever else but there is the reality that there's so much going on in a person's story uh so much more than just hey here's the list of things you need to know do you do you believe it yes or you know check yes or no um
2: well um yeah Uh, and It's there's also a a, I think you asked a a question about, you know, why, why haven't we done this better? Or what what are we doing wrong? So um, I think part of the problem also is there are a number of evangelistic strategies, tools, materials that were put together um, at a time when people were closer to if I could put it this way, they were closer to making a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the way the way I always illustrate it when I'm speaking, which which would work a whole lot better visually. So I'm I realize this is an audio, but but if if you just picture a line with the alphabet on it from A to Z, and this is a spectrum of unbelief. So Z is a, a non-Christian, but they're ready to become a Christian. They're, they 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 understand it. They've heard it. It makes sense. They've had their questions answered. And all you would need to say to that person is, are you ready to become a Christian now? And they would go, well, yes, I was hoping somebody would ask. OK, so that's Z. But A is way on the other side of you know, the most hardened, angry atheist you can imagine. All right, so, so A to Z is spectrum moving from unbelief to belief or, or resistance to the gospel to acceptance. There are a whole lot of tools and materials that we put together in the evangelical world At a time when a whole lot of people were already weighed down by letter T. Mm -hmm. So evangelism, at least in America in the 1950s and 60s, when Crusade and Campus Crusade was at its like, you know, starting point, but also their their heyday, I think. So a whole lot of people really were at letter T. And you could Mm -hmm. say to them, um, would you like to know God personally? And they would go, well, yeah, that sounds great. And and even if they they weren't a Christian, the God that they had in mind when you asked that question was very close to the God that you believed in. Right. And the whole world, and especially Europe and um, large parts of America, especially the the coasts, east and west coast, northeast, far northwest. Um, the whole shift has been way down to the other end of the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking to someone who's at letter D, for example, they're not at letter T. And you say to someone at letter D, you know, would you like to know God personally? And well, if they don't, you know, spit in your face or, or laugh at you, they might say, well, which God are you talking about? And how do you know this? And, and, you know, why, what, why should I even be interested And so a conversation of moving someone from D to E is a different conversation than moving someone from T-U-V-W-X-Y-Z. And we just need a whole new kind of mindset and materials and and forums in which people can explore these topics moving gradually, incrementally, um, uh, kind of complexly in a way that might be um, frustrating for those of us who want to get them to letter Z. Come, come on already. Let's go.
1: Yeah, but it's no, it's no less. Uh, it's no less. We do well to to remember that it's no less meaningful and it's no less important in God's overall plan and God's Ooh. overall sovereignty. I, we, we trick ourselves a lot of times into thinking that. It's the it's the last four letters that count, you know, and so it's the people who are getting to see the 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 letter Z or X or Y or whatever. But how many people have taken someone from a letter A all all the way to Z or or whatever else, or even not even just been a part of of moving that along, um, and and that ultimately is a is a type of evangelism that rests in God to move His His people closer to Him and draw them close, rather than okay, it's my job to push people over the finish line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: i think it was something we were we experienced early on in spain uh where we would get a situation where you would explain the gospel to somebody but they would but you very quickly realize they don't they don't they're not rejecting jesus they're just rejecting the packaging or the situ the context that we're placing the packaging in because they're not they're not getting the full the full story and so i think that was always an early frustration of ours of like uh w- we're doing what we were trying to train to do, but it it's it, you know, at the same time, people were not necessarily rejecting the gospel, they just were rejecting the context, the the location of where we were placing Jesus in front of them, or you know, a limited, a limited picture of Jesus in some sense.
2: hmm Yeah. You know, um on the on the positive side. I think people are hungry for these kinds of discussions or, and, and maybe not, maybe not the discussion of how can I know God personally right now? Um, who was Jesus? Did he really rise from the dead? Maybe though, maybe those are not the felt needs, but, but they're, they're hungry for people talking about substantive issues and willing to explore them deeply and richly. Um, there's there's a lot of shallowness and um, uh, diversion or distraction uh, in our world, and 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 by the way, I I think there's a good reason for that because a lot of people think if I really slow down and ask these difficult questions, I might find that the answer is no. Life is pointless and meaningless. Right. There's totally it's there's no hope. So in that case, yeah, the you know the more movies and music and distractions, the better because. I don't I don't want to pay thoughtful attention to those kind of questions because it's only going to be depressing and despairing. But I, I still think people are hungry for those discussions. And if we can if we can have those discussions, say, you know, they don't point to emptiness and despair. They they point to rich, meaningful beauty. Um, so I, I, I wish I could give this talk more often. I've given it only a few places, but I, I do this talk on, on why does music move us so much?
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: why, why is music so powerful in every culture, in every society ever in the history of humankind? Um, anthropologists talk about musics, plural, but every society has some sort of form of music and you give people just time and they're gonna start banging some sticks together in a musical kind of style and going to find ways to sing. So why is that? And I think it points to uh, that the world is beautiful or it was designed or created to be beautiful. and we're longing to connect with that and singing and making music is a way of, of that kind of transcendence. But again, that's a that's a long and deep conversation, and we need to be willing to kind of hang out at the letter, D E F line for a while and, and show people that we want to think deeply about these things.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's funny that you mentioned the the music thing. I've, I've talked to the, I do a talk here in Sweden called the apologetics of Jimmy Fallon <laughs> uh, where I, I take some Jimmy Fallon clips uh, that he does with, there's a, there's a clip of him with Billy Joel and G- Jimmy Fallon finds a, um, uh, an app on an iPad, a, a doo-wop app, and so they um in the jungle together, and there's just incredible joy. And I just go through and basically end up at the gospel, just just using that clip because it it really shows we are drawn for one to maybe even make the complexity of an app right that you you have to assume that there's some kind of you know complex creature out there who might have you know had an impetus to make us and and everything else, but at the end of the day that we, we are, we are inspired by those things. I mean, you just watch it and there's such joy in watching Jimmy Fallon and, um, and Billy Joel in this. And it's just like, wow, I just want to sit here and watch that. So it's an incredible, it's an incredible idea that if we spend time there with people is actually, even if you disagree, it's at least, it's at least thought provoking, right? It's at least wholesome in some sense that, that that we're at least talking about things that are, that are important. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And it it seems to me that, that we often shy away from that because we think, or we, maybe we're just not prepared for it. I don't know what it is, but I I certainly agree that uh, more time spent in the context of conversation and relationship allow for those things to be drawn out over a longer period of time. And let's say an objection comes up, then you can say, if you're in the context of that relationship, if an objection comes up and you don't know the answer to it, well, let's talk about that next time. I'll try to figure out what that is. And then that just becomes a continuing conversation rather than I got two seconds to make sure that this counts. Um, You know, and you're, you're going to, you're going to lose it or you're afraid that you're, you know, you're losing your faith or whatever else.
0: Mm. I've got a quick rabbit trail for you on the, so Bono says laughter, in his song, laughter is eternity. If joy is real. Mm. Hmm. To think about. Um, so, go ahead. Randy, yeah.
1: Randy, um so you you talked a little bit about the the book that you're working on and a little bit about CS Lewis and kind of the the argument for God and what he would what what do you think are some of the things that Lewis that we can learn from Lewis today. So you mentioned that this first part about mere Christianity and things. Are there other things that in Lewis's approach um you mentioned Chronicles of Narnia and, and, and other things. Are there other things in his approach which you would say for a secular Western culture, Lewis's approach in such a way is, is helpful for us.
2: Oh, my, my, my. Um, well, first I have to say, um, uh, at the risk of getting into trouble, <laughs> But that's, but
1: that's why this but, podcast but, exists.
2: No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to reword that. At the <laughs> risk of getting you in trouble. <laughs> so, All right. So you said something about that. We, we shy away. We're not prepared for this. Okay. So I think about the way I was trained to do evangelism. And, and by the way, uh, uh, I was always assigned to campuses where the standard approaches just didn't work. And so mm-hmm. I, I would hear reports from people who ministered in the south of the United States and the Midwest of the United States. And those places culturally are much more like the Bible Belt than East Coast big cities where I was always called a minister. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And in Baltimore in particular, there were, there were just whole entire massive lists of things that people said that worked really well in Alabama and they didn't work <laughs> in, in Baltimore. Yeah. So I, I if, if, if I had
1: like, a nickel, if I had a nickel for every, every uh, let's say uh, <laughs> Southerner that came through Sweden and told me how to do ministry, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need to raise support anymore, my friend.
2: <laughs> but by the way, that's, that's like this crazy image of a Southerner in Sweden. And I'm just got a lot I'm, of them, and
1: they're all and they're wonderful people. And we've had I'm, really I'm, great experiences.
2: I'm only thinking of the accents. It's like, how, how do they even understand each <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. So, so, so I, I'm so thankful. I the, the leaders above me gave me a lot of freedom to experiment in Baltimore. And then here also in the Washington, DC area. So so I think about some of the things. Um I, I, I was kind of taught that in evangelism, I did the vast majority of the talking. It was kind of a one-way conversation. And I only wanted them to answer a few little questions, but it was mostly me doing the talking. So it was a presentation Mm -hmm. and that just didn't work. And what worked a whole lot better was much more of a conversation, a dialogue back and forth, where where even they did most of the talking. So I asked a lot of questions and so, so that was one that I kind of had to retool or relearn. Um, the other is that I was trained that when people ask questions that y- you saw them as, as annoying interruptions, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I was trained, you know, to say, oh, that, that's a good question, we'll come back to that later. Well, that's that just doesn't work in my context and I don't think it works very well in yours. Uh, that those kind that if people are going to raise those questions well then let's go after them Th- those must be routes that we can take that can get to really important things yeah um and then the the biggest one that i've been reworking and this is where to get to your question about cs lewis um i was trained um the 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 phrase i heard so many times was keep it simple keep it mm-hmm. simple mhm and what i what i what i started thinking and realizing and then experimenting with is i don't think it is simple i don't think the gospel is simple now it can be expressed simply and concisely for sure but but the christian perspective it's so rich and complex not not convoluted not not so you know confusing but i mean the Bible is a really big book, <laughs> and it goes after lots and lots of different topics, and and you hear the same thing from a bunch of different voices. I mean, why why do we need both Isaiah and Jeremiah? They kind of say the same thing, but boy, mm-hmm. do they say it differently. Mm-hmm. And, and Matthew proclaims the gospel differently than John does, and uh, so. It, the, what what god has revealed to us in the world and in scripture is rich and complex and multifaceted and and beautiful and rather than i mean I, at one point i remember thinking keep it simple well i can't i can't keep it simple because it's not simple i'd have to make it simple mm-hmm. and in doing so i would probably have to distort it i need to keep it complicated or complex or rich and that's what lewis did lewis Lewis would talk about words and how do words work, or he would talk about, um, you know, emotions, and um, uh, he he would talk about Jesus through through Aslan, but but Aslan was this complex figure. I mean, you know, you know, the, the the classic thing is, you know, when when um, what one of the one of the children ask, I think it was Mister Beaver, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. is he safe? safe who said anything about safe of course he's not safe but he's good he's the king and and so the picture that we have of god in the scripture it's so rich and again multifaceted he we we even have dozens and dozens of different names for god mm-hmm. um so uh, i just like exploring and going after topics like words and language and love and relationships and music and art and beauty and nature and where do these things point us mm-hmm. rather than well let me just keep it simple to the details i have in this booklet now i re- again i you, may, you maybe this is going to ruin your podcast i don't know but I, <laughs> I, <laughs> No,
1: you know, no, you're, you're, you're saying things that we have, uh, that we live. Um, and we, we have said, so no, no worries there. And I, from time to time, I will use the booklets that we have if I feel that it's appropriate to help us keep on topic and everything else. But most of the time, here's the way I would put it or the way that we, we talk about it in Sweden. Um, everyone, okay, so you studied intercultural studies and you have a PhD in that. And so when I say the words intercultural studies, you have encyclopedia volumes of what that entails. I have two words, um, maybe a little bit more than that, but not much. And so I don't have a proper folder to put all the information. Or if we were to say quantum physics, none of us would be able to really place that outside of the words. And so our file in our head is is really small for that, um, but a nuclear physicist or an astrophysicist has a has a massive file for that. Um, the way I would put it is in the nineteen fifties and up until probably the nineteen seventies eighties is that when you said the word God, people had what was probably a, a good encyclopedia full of information. And that's why they found themselves at point T or Z or Y. They they were very close to that and they had folders to make sense of the information. But as time has gone on and as society has become more secular and we've gone away from those folders, when you say God, people go, I don't even know how to make sense of what you're saying. And mm-hmm. I've actually had people tell me that in Sweden. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. say the word Jesus, I don't know what that means. And so, well, OK, so, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the four spiritual laws, which is a it it it. For, it it is a tool. Uh, it is a creed in many ways for a purpose in order to understand a, a certain thing and used in the right context is wonderful. But the, the problem with that I run into in Sweden is not law four. It's not law three. It's not law two. It's not law one. It's word one, God. Okay. So now that determines where the rest of this conversation is going to go. And so that's where I have to spend all my time. And I've got people that I've been tracking with for 13 years, who still were still on the God conversation, Mm -hmm. but they are much closer and we're probably filling in Jesus conversation too. So -hmm. it's not like it's just like, well, we have to have these conversations before we can get there at the same time. And that to me seems to be what Lewis really did well was he helped to create folders for God in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that when a person read his stories as a child, when they encountered Christ later, they would just say that makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm not necessarily even sure why he was helping them to give, to give a plausibility structure for the claims of Christ at, at an earlier, at a, at a later date. And, that, and that's some of the genius of, uh, of Lewis. Um, but even some of his other writings, I, I love the way he, as you put it, he'll, he'll talk about words or music or, or whatever else. And he just goes down that road.
2: Well, and, and uh, so here's another aspect of that, of what we can learn from Lewis. Um, well, uh, maybe this is my thought first and then I'll, I'll bring in Lewis. Um, one of the things that I uh, I think we need to do uh, again, a lot of my training was here's how to express the gospel so that you're trying to persuade people to believe it because it's true. Um, here's why you should believe it. This is what's true about God. This is what's true about us. This is what's true about Jesus. Trying to separate truth from error. Uh, Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He was God himself. And so so all of that is very, very important. I don't wanna downplay any of that at all. If anything, we need more of it. But um, we we also want to uh, proclaim the gospel and urge people to believe it, not only because it's true, but also because it's good, mm-hmm. yeah. because it's desirable, because the the emptiness we feel or the disorientation we feel apart from God can be alleviated. And it can be very good to have peace in the midst of a pandemic and joy, even when someone dies. Um and, and what Lewis did was he he first, he went by the route of the imagination and the emotions before logic. Mm-hmm. And so in, in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, you you had this positive emotional feeling about Aslan before he ever showed up. It was mm-hmm. just what people said and the way people talked about him. And so you just, you just liked that character, whoever he was, and you felt good about it. And and when you when 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 you when you were given an image of the white witch has made Narnia where it's always winter and never Christmas. And it's like, ugh, that's horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> it's like, oh I, oh please somebody fix this mess. And so it engages your emotions and, and, and so when, when, the, when the statues start melting or, or turning from stone to real animals, it was this joy and this goodness that you felt in addition to being convinced that it was true. And mm-hmm. so it's that weaving yeah. together of goodness and truth that we need to find a way to, to convey and express.
0: What, I wonder too, if this has just been a, a challenge you know, partially evangelical culture is very American. Evangelical culture is very, very practical. where you get the things done, and we're moving into the realm of the spirit in some sense of 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 mystery, of beauty, of you know, and and why w- maybe evangelicals we haven't been really good at expressing these things in a in a in an artistic way. And when I say artistic, I mean in a way that is there's mystery and there's metaphor and there's uh, beauty. I think of uh, the movie Tree of Life, and just, which mm-hmm. is a movie that's kind of hard to watch. But when you, when, if it's a Christian watching it, it was a powerful experience. I felt like the gospel was being communicated to me, through through many different ways. But it, but there's it's it's not it's not here. It is. It's this whole beautiful package of,
2: music,
0: mm-hmm. and dialogue, and images, and it, it says something maybe even deeper than, you know, a four spiritual laws. I, you know, maybe I don't know
2: yeah, and and again, uh, now I'm repeating myself, but um, um, there's this whole history in Western Christianity of terrible, terrible compromise and 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 heresy, of denying the truthfulness mm-hmm. of the gospel and replacing it with th- this this very, very poor substitute. And so uh, so we're we're very concerned about falling into that trap and yeah. and preaching, a gospel which is no gospel at all, and preaching um, a liberalism that's that's not just a variation of Christianity, but it, it's a whole different religion. Yeah, and it's without the supernatural, it's without redemption. Um, it just makes you feel good, sort of, for a short period of time. So, so we're very afraid of that kind of compromise, and rightly so. I mean, we need to be very, very cautious about that. And and the number of people who have fallen off the cliff, so to speak, and gone into theological heresy i mean it, it seems like it's almost a parade you know so yeah. we don't we don't want to join that parade um and so but but so so we're we're afraid of the arts or we're afraid of mystery and it's that we're we're afraid of of people thinking we're saying oh so you don't believe in truth either great well, <laughs> so, no we don't we don't want to say that um but we've got to find a way that embraces all of um, the ways to express this. And again, I mean, scripture is this amazing, yes. not just, not just example, but a model. I mean, we have poetry, we have imagery in the, in the prophets, we have stories and parables. Um, and we also have the didactic teaching of Romans. I mean, sometimes people, they, they jump too far. It's like, oh, we should just tell stories because Jesus told stories. Well. Yeah, Jesus told stories, but he also made propositions. I mean, he also made made propositional statements, dogmatic, very hard statements. Um, So let's not throw out the epistles just because we really like the Psalms. Uh, Let's embrace all of Scripture.
1: From your, as we draw to a close here, Randy, are there people today writing, thinking, preaching, speaking who embody this what's called the spirit of C.S. Lewis in the sense of taking the wonderment uh, in working towards the proposition or the the truth uh, so kind of arguing or, or not arguing but I mean I mean arguing in the sense of they're forming an argument not not combatively um, are there people who are doing that in your mind and, and who are they
2: because I agree away.
1: that's what we need
2: yeah, I, I I love that little phrase you just said forming an argument. That's I I gotta play with that one. I I like that. So so we're not, not I, just I,
1: I expect I expect uh I expect some some uh, what do you call it? Uh,
2: anyway. I, well, I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I have I
1: have no funny left in me. It's too late in no, the you evening.
2: You want you want a footnote in the book. There
1: you go. A footnote would be great. <laughs>
2: If as the as this all does, you know, it'll have that footnote. I'm indebted to Barrett, right? Yeah. So okay. Who's Who's Barrett Harkins?
1: Said no one ever.
2: (laughs) My good friend, what's his name? Um, Well, um, so I hope you know about um, Max McLean and the Fellowship of Performing Artists or Arts. Yes. Uh, You know, they do these dramatic presentations, and they just finished filming, making a film because it was always on stage. But with the pandemic, they had time and the ability to make a movie instead of going on stage. Um, so I think I think their artistic presentations uh, are, are 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 like that. So they, they have this great stage production of um, the Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis's. Mm. Book. Uh, so the, so they're uh, people. I I wish I knew more. Um, I I do like. Um, Um, A a recent book, uh, I hope you know about it, um, by Rebecca McLaughlin, um, Confronting Christianity. Now, it's pretty much arguments and logic, but she's trained in uh, English literature and, and has a doctorate in English literature. So she writes in a very beautiful style. And she'll illustrate with some stories uh, from literature and stuff. So, um, hers is a voice that I, I think needs to be heard more. Um, I wish I had more uh, other ideas. I I, I don't. Um, if I think of them, I'll send you an email. Um, but you're right. That's that's what we need more of. Oh, oh, oh one one other uh, over there in the in the UK, uh, Glenn Scrivener. Am I saying his name right? Um, I hope so. He's a poet, but he's written a number of books and he, he writes a great deal about evangelism. He's connected to, uh, the good book Company. He's written for them a bunch. And he talks a lot. He he did a presentation at the gospel coalition on using the imagination and imagery in evangelism. He's, mm-hmm. he's a real good one. He, you, you should invite him on. I mean,
1: yeah, I'm pretty I'll sure have to. He's
2: in the UK, um, We'll, we'll make or, or, it happen. You know,
1: people jump at the opportunity to come on this podcast. Uh,
2: <laughs> or, or or maybe he's in Australia. Um, either way, he's had to learn the same kind of things yeah. you, you're feeling that you need to learn. And I think he does a good job of thinking in the realm of imagination and imagery. Because like I said, primarily he's a poet
1: yeah Mm -hmm. okay so last last question then and we will and we'll be done um oh i have two questions but i'm only going to ask one uh i'll 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 make it easy what gives you hope these days
0: oh
2: um well against all odds people are covered to faith people keep people keep exploring and Mm -hmm. keep showing up um um, I heard, heard stories of people walking into churches because they found the church on Yelp. I mean, it, it, they're crazy stories. Um, mm.
0: So yeah, We, had, we so, had a kid today, sorry, we had a kid uh, who showed up for a prayer, online prayers Zoom thing, never, never prayed in his life, not a Christian, but afterwards he said he was just really blessed and honored that people were sharing their needs with each other and he can <laughs> share his need. Uh-huh. So, so, Something starting there, you know? Hmm. That's um, that's cool.
2: um, uh, w- When you asked me of the findings of my research, I said people come to faith gradually, communally, uh, variously. Um, I also had a chapter where I talked about people come to faith supernaturally, and they, they mm-hmm. always get, every every single conversion is supernatural, but some of them display that more than others. And I mean, people come to faith against all odds. You know, they, they, they show up to meetings because they're antagonistic and they want to ruin the meeting, they, they they came specifically to try to prove that all Christians are idiots, and they they asked questions to disturb the meeting, and yet um, the fact that people were nice to them really messed them up. <laughs> like, why are you being nice to me? I'm being a jerk, and um, so, so so the thing that. Encouraging is that the, the, the kingdom of God is unstoppable and there's yeah. no, there's no yeah. obstacle or social trend or cultural movement that's too big for God. Mm. And so he, yeah. he draws people against all odds. Amen. Nicodemus showed up to Jesus at night. I mean, he didn't want to be seen, he was trying to be, you know, secretive about it, but um so things haven't changed in that department.
1: Mm. Well, with words of hope, may we we trust in the God who rose from the dead and that changes everything. Randy, thank you for taking your time. It's a pleasure to see you again. And uh, where can people find you if they want to go uh, see what you're up to these days? Where's the easiest place?
2: Uh, I don't know the easiest place. Uh, So I I have a website called connectionpoints.us. Sometimes I blog there. the cslewisinstitute.org website has a whole bunch of my stuff and a bunch of other resources. I think those would be uh,
1: And You, you host really- the C.S. Lewis Institute podcast, is that correct? Oh, or you're on there uh, often? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
2: okay. Yes, right. Um, we have okay. a podcast called, what do we call it? Questions that Matter. And yes. I'm the host of that. <laughs> so, cool. Uh,
1: Always, always good to remember the name of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you have a, you have a great rest of the day, Garrick. uh, Until next time, we'll we'll talk to you all later.
0: Thanks so much.